Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Phil Tiger. Slacker Hello Slackers, welcome to this week's episode of the Slacker Podcast. Shout out and love to you all, hope you're all doing good. And if you're not, let me take your mind off it, whatever shit it is uh, for the next 60 minutes with this um, sweet podcast that we've got with Run The Jewels. I love Run The Jewels. If you follow me on social media, at Philly Tiger on Instagram or Twitter, you will see many many posts about run the jewels i've i've met them several times i've had them on the book and yeah killer mike and lp are just like two legit ogs big time so i was so 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 hyped to get run the jewels on season four of the slacker podcast if you're brand new to the podcast and you haven't already please subscribe um to it please like it please review it um for two podcasts a week who else gives you two podcasts a week don't say joe rogan joe rogan gets paid like a hundred million pounds i get paid barely one pint <laughs> so don't say Joe Rogan but yeah like um, last Friday was the launch of the new podcast Slacker Friends which is like a whole new format it'll run aside the Slacker podcast I mean the, the podcast you're listening to right now will happen with different guests as as usual weekly um, but the Slacker Friends podcast is kind of like um, it's like a it's like a sort of weird and wonderful uh, panel show of all of the topical things that are happening in music that week um, and I have two guests on with me every Friday and it's going really well but I'm totally busting my ass making content at the moment and ideally what I'd love to happen what I would dream to happen is to make a living out of making all of the slacker content for you the two podcasts the various different um, YouTube videos um, the mixes all the rest of it but I'm definitely not at that stage yet 
So if any of you want to contribute uh, the equivalent to a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or whatever to keep the the wheels uh, on uh, the Slacker podcast and all things Slacker, then please go over to my Patreon and um, become a, a Slacker Patreon. That would be amazing. It's patreon.com forward slash Slacker podcast. I mean, the dream is independence. You don't have a boss telling you what to do. The only people telling me what to do are you guys, and you can tell me what you want to see, and I'll respond to it, and I'll react to it. And that's how it works over at the Patreon. So, uh, Patreon.com forward slash Slacker podcast. Um, this podcast with Run the Jewels was recorded a couple of weeks before the Black Lives Matter movement, which saw an incredibly evocative speech from Killer Mike. So if anyone thinks that it's weird that we didn't mention it, it simply hadn't happened at that juncture yet. On the podcast, we have LP. Killer Mike was meant to come on and pulled out last second, but it's myself and LP talking about the RTJ weed strain that they're working on. Zach Della Rocca staying with LP in his basement after Rage Against the Machine broke up. Views on the music industry, uh, massive artists who they wanted on the album, and there are some really, really huge ones. Um, and shooting their Run the Jewels movie, tons more. This is the Slacker Podcast with Run the Jewels in three, two, one. What's happening, Al? You good? Hey, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. All's, all's good. All's good. I think the last time we talked was in Radio 1. That's where I, that's where I do my do my shit from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've started doing... Like, I mean, I've been doing a podcast for a couple of years, like, but I don't have to go to London anymore to do... I live in Brighton, so I live like the bottom of the country. And this is fucking great. Like, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm not going near London when I don't have to. It's, it's happy yeah. days. There's there's definitely that 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 sort of side effect, you know. Of course, the death and the and 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 the and and the horror and the and the and the insecurity and nervousness and stress on people's lives of this whole thing has been fucking insurmountable and, and really tragic in a lot of ways. And 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 yet there's this other weird little after effect or weird little side effect that no one's really talking about too much because it seems maybe it seems a little bit like it's uh, distasteful to mention it, but there's another aspect of it where it's like, wait a second. So you're telling me that I could have worked from home the whole time? <laughs> like, you know, like, what do you mean? I So technically I didn't have to come into the office, uh, you know, and, and eat the shitty sandwich from the place across the street, you know, every day. That's, that's something that you could have handled if you just put like an hour of thought into it. You know, well, I could have just had... So I, I think that's interesting. I, I, I wonder how people are going to react to having to go back to the daily grind of having to go back to like, oh, now you have to come into this office. No, nah, man, this is seismic. This is this is a shift in um, humanity. This is a shift in in paradigms. Like, I think everything's going to like completely. There's a, it's a like a line in the sand. There was the before times and there's the after times. You know what I mean? It feels like, like with the way you, like your grandparents would have talked about like a war, like they would have talked before the war, after the war. This is a, this is our version of it. They'll talk about before and they'll talk about after. It's true. I think you might be right. I, I wonder about that. I wonder because even, even after a war, things did return to some semblance of normalcy in the basic way that humans, you know, conducted themselves in society. Um, 
I'm not sure about this one. Yeah, big time. I mean, like I was chatting to my dad the other day and my dad was like, he was like saying, you know, there's going to be a massive baby boom from all this. And I was like, I see where you're coming from. Like everybody's locked in. All they're going to do is like, you know, shag like rabbits um, when they're in. But I mean, part of me is like going, people get awful lethargic and it's not like it wasn't like the 40s. Like there's Netflix, there's like 100,000 million different apps that you can play with on your phone. <laughs> I, I, I myself bought a virtual reality headset. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Lots of virtual reality babies being born in nine months time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, and I'm so proud of him already. Yeah, exactly. He's just yeah. a little darling. I mean, he already knows how to run through hallways and shoot monsters. Every couple of years, I try and get back into gaming, and and, and then and then I, you know, I like I, I gear up, and my wife, you know, my wife like watches me, sort of like you know, sort of rolls the eyes pathetically, like, all right, this is it, sweetie. You never met this part of me, okay? <laughs> this this part of me existed before you met me, but now I'm I'm getting back to my childhood. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it lasts for like 45 minutes and I'm like, "Oh, fuck, I'm an adult, aren't I?" Like, I'm an adult. <laughs> and, and, and you know, but 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 the virtual reality thing, I'll say that 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 kind of got me. Like I'm I'm I've definitely spent a couple of hours over the last couple of days. I got an Oculus Quest and I'm, I, I definitely am like, okay, this is sort of amazing. This is what we imagined when we were children. Like the, the idea of being in a, in a virtual environment is no longer just fantasy and it's no longer really bad and low res graphics and shit. It's actually like real shit. And um, that's, that's, that's kind of getting to me. But I feel like not only is that sort of myth of the, of the baby boom thing, a, a, like a constant, but... The other myth is that you're going to be super creative during this time, you know, when you're locked in. Like, hey, well, you know, I get, I'm locked in and there's nothing to do. I, I'll just write that novel that I, you know, that I yeah, always yeah. knew I had in me. And, and and then you're like, no, I'm just going to fucking eat and 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 smoke weed and, and watch Netflix, actually. I'm going to watch The Wire again. Oh, dude. What am I on? Like, the th am I the third, third go, go round now? Fourth, maybe? Oh, you're an amateur. You're, oh, you're, really? You're an amateur. Yeah, you got to get your numbers up. Double digits or you're not <laughs> in the game. We've, like, one thing I've taken from The Wire, it, it, it has made its way into our lives, is that like any time, like, I, I come from Ireland, so like, you, you know, like everybody in Ireland and all my friends have like fucked off all around the world to do different things and hang out in different places. And there would always be the Irish wake when they would leave. So we would lay, lay them out on the pool table. And oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, that's, not, that's, an, that's thing, not an Irish thing. That's like a... That's an American thing. Like that's American Irish, if you know what I mean. So like, you know, we would do that. Like it's pretty fun. And I am I and I am American Irish, at least half. Uh, you've got never... you've got a couple of different things going on, don't you? Like you've got like um is it Lithuanian? Some Lithuanian, some some like Cajun, some 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 Irish, um, a lot of Irish. Uh yeah, you know, Mamut. You've got you've got that Irish sort of like you got the Irish uh hair color. Down. it's not not ginger but like it's uh sort of sandy when it gets when it gets long it's ginger <laughs> red in pictures how is the feeling in in camp going into like this record like obviously like you know you don't release anything unless it's amazing but like do you have the nervosa of not being able to to do it justice because of what's what's going on or is this is it easier I think we're just feeling our way around it, man. I mean, the one thing that we know is that we're excited about the record. We think it's our best album. And, and so we, we, you know, we've actually been, it's been really painful for us not to release the record yet. You know, yeah. it was supposed to come out 
It was supposed to come out before we did um, Coachella, which was which was scheduled for April, and um, and then the, that the, you know the bomb basically hit the industry and everything shut down and mm-hmm. everything was was up in the air and nobody was able to really make any real maneuvers and a lot of artists basically were like, "Fuck it, I'm not releasing this shit until next year." Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was never an option for us. We were too, we spent too much time on this record and we were too ready to go. I mean, before, right when this, right before this all set off, I was in LA for two months training. I had like a fucking personal trainer and I was like, you know, every day I was like Rocky, I had quit smoking, which you can see that that's done that, now. That's done well, yeah. Um, I quit smoking for like two months. Uh, uh, last year I quit smoking for eight months. This, this time I quit smoking for two months. Um, we were rehearsing. We shot the Ooh La video. Like everything was going as planned. We were getting ready to go on the biggest tour of our lives with Rage Against the Machine, and um, and then we got home. And not a couple days after we got home, basically it was a lockdown. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that that obviously threw us for a loop, but it threw everyone for a loop. It's a little bit different when you you know it's really hard to just personalize that and be like, oh, my plans were ruined. <laughs> you know, because well, it's like. No, actually, eighty thousand people are dead in in America. So yeah, yeah. That's 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 not really your plan being ruined, is it? And, and so you know, we're, we're excited to drop the record. This is this is this is what we are about, and this is it. You know, we we'll tour next year. You know, the tour is rescheduled for you know for the summer of next year. And um, is that the Rage Against it, the Machine tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on. It's on. <laughs> such it's just a, been it's like such yeah. a wet dream for everybody. Like that, that, that lineup. I mean, it's, it's it's crazy, you know. And it's like you know, <clears throat> it was such a it's such a um, amazing sort of confluence of events, and, and 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 you know, and just such an honor to even rock with those guys. And um, but you know, we still have this record, and we were like, and, and it was proposed to us, like, do you guys want to wait until? you know, until next year or late this year or whatever. And we were just like, honestly, the truth of the matter is that not only for our purposes of just like, man, you know, we want to share this with people. We've been working really hard on this record for, it's been the last, it's been two years of my life really. Yeah. But also I can't think of a better time to give people something fucking raw and dope and fun. (laughs) Yeah. And, right now yeah big time it just doesn't it's just like the way that rtj operates it's we're not really a thinking operation you know it's always been mostly on gut and mostly just spontaneous you know for instance like we just we jumped our street date last time and just dropped it on christmas and that's that's you know that's the type of crew that you're dealing with so so telling us that we have to wait is tough (laughs) we we, we basically that, we've, that, we've given as much as we can and now we're like no we're dropping this fucking record on on, on june 5th so we've we fought for that we had to fight for that nobody really tells rtj nobody tells lp killer mike what to do at all because like you know you are you are the biggest diy band in the world right in in essence like you're the biggest independent artists like you know I, I, I there's one thing i've always admired outside of the music like i mean like there'd be no re- reason for us to talk if i didn't like your music it slaps like fuck like but like when when outside of that when you see somebody achieve as much as you guys have achieved 
from an independent background and owning your own shit and calling your own shots that doesn't happen that that often and it is inspiring to watch like the what well, did did you have a template to work from like when when you guys were starting out you're like oh, okay that band did it the way we like it or that group did it the way we like we it. had our own histories to work from you know we you know one of the advantages of being you know around a while is that you you have a, a you have some experience you know and and i've been doing i've done it in multiple different ways throughout the years you know um and um one thing that we just sort of agreed on from the beginning was that the, it had to feel everything that we did had to feel like we were doing it um for the right reason everything that every move that we made had to feel like we were making the move for not only the smart reason you know because we want our work to count but but also for for a reason that we could look people in the in the eyes and be like we're trying as best as we can to figure out how to do this in an honorable way you know it's one of the reasons why we give the records away for free as in addition to selling it you know because we we re we recognize really early that it seemed like a really, uh, it seemed like a really pure gesture to say to people, "Hey, if you don't know if you fuck with this, or if you don't have it in your budget right now to buy music, which a lot of people, especially right now, don't. Yeah. Or if you don't, um, yeah. Or if you just want to hear the record uh, before you decide whether or not you want to buy it, or you want to come to a show and you want to buy a sweatshirt, or whatever." All we have to give you is music. So here, take it, and mm -hmm. and if you like it, then then let's let's try and create a relationship here. Like we we'll, we'll we'll try and make the best shit possible, and wherever you can, <clears throat> if you're into it, support it. And that was and that really came from both of our experiences and just sort of recognizing what the reality of things were today and the way that people consume music and being like, look, it's not the old way anymore. We're not you know a lot of people were really grumpy um, and really sort of um, resentful of the fact that the industry had changed you know it's, it's taken them a long time to figure it out now for sure and the technology had interceded but it, more so than taking than people figuring out what the technology was going to do to the industry and the bottom line and all that shit it seemed like people couldn't quite grasp what it meant for the culture the way that kids actually consume music and what the relationship you're supposed to have with those kids is and we quickly identified it uh, in our minds, uh, you know, as best as we could, which is basically like, you know, this is a generation that cannot be tricked into something. This is a generation yeah. of people that cannot be fooled into buying a record if the record isn't up to par for them. You have to earn that. You don't get that automatic support unless you are earning it on, you know, on a consistent basis. I think that we have people now who will buy our records just on sight unseen because they know that you know we have a history of, of of really putting our all into these records but in order for us to establish that relationship we had to give something we, you know and i think that that's the thing that artists need to realize is like you have to give something to in order to earn um that relationship and so you know again you know i'm rambling a little bit but that that sort of was all just the result of our experience and and kind of and also just us in our hearts just sort of being like this is how we want to this is how this is after all this time putting records out on different for, in, in different companies and doing different things and none of the business matters anymore none of the bit whether you're on a major label or independent or anything it really it doesn't make a fucking difference the question is are you 
Um, do you have a, a, like genuine respect from the people that are supporting you because you've earned it? And, and are you putting out the best records that you possibly can? And so, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I, that's what I was going to say is like the, the word that came to mind when, when you were talking about that is, is respect. And it's like that 50, 50 grassroots respect where you're sort of like, you're not standing on the stage when it comes to marketing. You're standing on the same level as your fans going, we've got some cool shit. You might like it. They listen to it. And then, you know, there's some fans go and they, they might purchase other, other bits and pieces. But the thing I think about with RTJ, like, um, like in terms of live or in terms of, um, just fans is like, you, you, you're almost like a rock band more than like a hip hop group. Like, like I, I see people like, you know, I, I'm in London quite a lot. Like I've got my RTJ t-shirt, like, um, and there's just walking billboards, like walking around, rapping RTJ. I'm proud to rap it as well. And you don't really get that very often, I think. That's awesome. It's funny. That's what our, that's what our tour manager told us. He was like, you guys are rap. You guys are clearly rap and you're nasty. And he was like, but you, you, you conduct yourselves in terms of the way that you do this shit, like a rock band in the sense that there's not a lot of people in our industry that tour the way that we do, you know, like we toured the last record for a year and a half straight. And we did that because we could, we did that because we had the opportunity because people wanted to see us. And that's really rare. I think that you don't always get that. It's not, and so for us, it was like, look, every moment is a, is a fucking is fantasy is a, is a fantasy for us. Every moment is a dream come true for us to be doing what we love doing for this long and to have it still mean something to people. Um, so we're going to take that opportunity to try and we're, we're going to do it no matter how exhausting it is. And no matter how much, you know, no matter how much we'd rather be home smoking weed, making more music. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So it's true. The parallels are real. I mean, that's a really that, you know, and I think that it's really sort of helped us because of the strength of our shows, because people are walking away from the shows also knowing that they saw two guys like give everything they fucking had that day. You know, we're not we're not we're not um, we're not just kind of coasting through these things like we, we give a shit about the about the, the experience on every level from the record to the show. And um, yeah, no, it's 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 been amazing, man. I, I don't I don't. I couldn't imagine um, when when we first started this that it would have gotten to where it is. But I'm and I, and nor did I want to imagine. I was like, well, no, I'm <laughs> a, I'm a solo artist. This is a mixtape. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Um, uh, and and fucking hell, man! Like, did did it snowball? Like, I, I almost want to talk about the live live show because there's not there's not a spoiled breath in in the like ninety minutes or whatever it is that you guys do, and it, it's it's like. I don't understand how you've got the fitness for it. Like, obviously you said that you did like what, I don't know, but weeks and weeks of training beforehand. But when you play levels, uh, like shows of the level that you're, you're at now, like, and you know, it, you're, you've got those big stages, like it's not long. RTJ6, you'll have that ramp that like Angus Young and ACDC had. I'm, I'm saving up for it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or at least a little, at least a little Stonehenge, you know? Oh, the, the a little spinal one. tap Stonehenge. Yeah. A little Stonehenge, yeah. <laughs> Instead. I'll tell you what, we'll come back to Glass and Brain in a minute. Um, but like <laughs> the, those little, those, those, those like club shows um, like that you would have played, like I'm sure like, when you were coming up, you would have played in places like Baby's All Right and stuff in in New York. Um, Baby's All Right didn't exist at the time, but but stuff of that level, of that, yeah. of that ilk, yeah. So like, yeah. What, like, what did you learn from like the those like those early shows that you did um, in in New York, and like how how do you take that hype to the big stage? 
I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that even when Run the Jewels started, we were playing to 500 people a night, you know, and that was a good night. That was like, oh, we sold out 500 people. That's great. We were happy doing that. We but, were like, oh, when we get to the major cities, we'll do a thousand people, you know, that's mm -hmm. a, and we'll be counting every fucking head, you know, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be, you know, we're going on at nine. How many tickets have we sold? You know, and it, things turned around for us and went really, and went really big. And, um, you know, we're playing to, you know, 12, 15,000 people in New York. We're playing to, you know, 10, 12,000 people in LA. It's, it's gotten bigger than we had ever imagined. But the truth of the matter is, man, we, we never changed our approach to our stage show. And I think that that is the thing that I learned. I think, I think that when you are for years performing in, you know, small to medium sized venues, you don't really imagine that it's going to get much bigger than that. You just want to give the, the biggest show in that context possible. Mm. And there's no, because we did that for so long and because we trained ourselves to just say, look, if there's, if, if you, you know, sometimes you'd be on the road and a and hundred people would show, show up, you know, and this isn't so long ago for us. This is like 2013, you know, does that make it special though? That like now that you're coming to, like those first couple of sold out shows, you must have been crying into each other's shoulders. Like, yeah, and and then, and then and then when it started to be, wait a second, we sold the tour out. Like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. Like, we sold the tour out when we like in a day. Like, yeah. And why did we not put on more tickets? <laughs> right, and, and you know, and you know, when you start getting to that mythical place where they start bumping you up in venues and stuff, this is stuff that I had only heard rumors about you know like <laughs> yeah I knew, I knew that it happened for other people but i was quite satisfied with just kind of having a fan base and doing um doing a bunch of shows for, and, and grinding it out but we never changed our energy we always performed in all of those little shows no matter what even if 60 fucking people showed up which occasionally they did mm. um, we performed like we were in a stadium because to us this was our stadium we never expected to get any bigger than that now we're literally playing in stadiums and, and it was an easy transition for us because we just, we, you know, we had a lot of practice. We always gave everything that we had in that situation. We never tempered it down based on, on who came because, you know, we figure, and we always did figure, and this is what I will say about us as always one of the things I'm glad that we always had an agreement about this. Me and Mike have always been in the same place of, of being really, just being really um, grateful for what, what, what we did have, you mm -hmm. know, not, not walking around being um, thinking there should be something bigger for us. There should be something better. This isn't good enough. Um, so when all the stuff started to pop off in a real way, it was all amazement. It was all like, Oh shit. You know, like we never got used to it. We're not, we're not these guys who just assume now that what, you know, that everything's going to like, there's the, there's a creeping feeling in the back of your head at all times. Like, all right, jig is up. Like joke <laughs> on me. When, when, when's this going to yeah, stop? I get that. You know? I get like, that. When yeah. does it stop? You know? So. But when, when, like, when you've got that ability to be able to suck every single fan up onto that stage when you're, when you're doing it, like you, you get people who want you to come on tour with the, the even bigger arenas than you're playing, like, you know, Eminem, Jack White, like when you, when you go and play those shows, like you, you obviously probably learn even more from people like Eminem, people like Jack White and how they, how they do it. Well, sure. I mean, we've had a lot of experience, man. You know, we, we've we've been around and been around a lot of big acts and for a long time. And in, in general, I mean, Mike came up under Outcast. You know, he was there. Course, he was yeah. there 
watching that whole, basically what's happening to us now in terms of our careers, he was there to watch it unfold with Outcast, And he was, so he had that basis of like, he kind of knew what that was about. And um, the thing that you learn isn't as much as about what it is that the people who are sort of like, if you're in a situation where you're, where you're playing in front of Eminem, Eminem is Eminem, period. No one else is Eminem. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. there's not much to learn except to look at it and be like, you know what? That guy's handling being Eminem really well. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're the there's, best Eminem I've seen. But, but like, really like, you know, yeah. not everybody can, not everybody does. And that that's often what draws a line between people who um, can handle fame and exposure and can and can harness it and do right by their fans and, and not. And, you know, Eminem is a great example of somebody who can because you watch his show and you're like, this dude has been in this game as long as I have, but he's been way bigger for, for way longer than I have. And he's still giving it everything. And so, and, you know, and, and that that that's a reaffirmation. But when you open those, when you open for people like that, you have to simply get yourself in the mind state of like, I'm supposed to be here and I am going to try and make it a little bit difficult for him to follow. <laughs> that's now, good. That's good. I like that. I like that competition. That's, that's all you're supposed to do. That's yeah. when, we, when we bring, when we bring opening acts on the road with us, that's what we expect. Like, listen, it's not going to work, but I need you to try to blow me off the stage every <laughs> night. I need you to try to make it uncomfortable yeah. for us as best as you can. Oh my God. That's, that's, that's all I require of you. Like, like go for it, please cut my head off <laughs> no way you're gonna win right now because my name's on the fucking thing but you know so that that's what i took from that you know everyone is different you know um for the most part you know you kind of just do, do your you get thing. summoned and, and but someone like M was you know was was really kind and you know to us nice to us and, and lord as well you know but for the most part everyone's there to do a job i mean the thing that you have to realize is that when people are on that level you know or shit, even like the Rage Against the Machine level, which is mm. at like the fucking highest level that you can get, really. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
the enormous burden and cost on those people and the enormous responsibility to keep the whole thing afloat is 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 gigantic. Yeah. And and so it has to be almost run like the military. It has to be like you know everybody is doing every everything they can to do their part to make sure that they can bring a fucking stadium show with full production to to people. To and it's and it, sometimes it, it it baffles me to be in those moments, you know, to look and to see really what goes on because we're at a certain level, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that Run the Jewels is a small crew, man. We, you know, the, the biggest thing that we did was get like a second tour bus. You yeah, know? And it's like- The Radiance, the Machine Tour, um, like were they were they a band that had a big influence on you? I mean, like they, they're basically uh, catnip to teenagers and they have been since it started. Like, did they have an influence on you growing up? I wasn't a teenager. I'm 44 years old, so. But when you were, like when oh, you went. Hold on a second, I'm 45 now. <laughs> Um, I, I, no, I, I really liked their music. Mm. I really liked their music, but I wasn't a teenager. Um, and, uh, at least when I got into it and, um, I was in my early twenties, I think. And, and, you know, I've known Zach since back then. I've known Zach since, um, basically 1998. 1998, 1999, something like that. It's like Battle of Los um, Angeles times. After Battle of Los Angeles, when yeah. they broke up, um, when they when they when they had their falling out and broke up, Zach came to Brooklyn to stay in my place for a month, and we worked on music. So that was even back then. Did that stuff ever make the? the guy, did it ever see the light of day? That music? No, and we and, and, and the truth is, we didn't really accomplish that much. You know, we 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 had some songs, but. I was really new and young and no one had ever asked me to like really do anything. I was just in company flow. I was just like, I just was like a hot, you know, a producer from, from a hot group. Mm. Jack is so real that he was like, okay, yeah, I could literally get anybody to, I could get like fucking George Martin to produce my record. <laughs> I'm gonna go to I would pay fucking, for that. Well, pay to listen go, to it. <laughs> I'm going to go to this fucking, I'm going to go to this just underground rapper's shitty apartment in Brooklyn and, and stay there for a month. And, and, and that's who I want to work with. So that's how me and Zach became friends. And, and we've stayed friends since then. And, and the reason, of course, that I said yes was because of their music. Because I was like, A, if you're a rap fan, you recognize that Zach De La Roca is a rapper. And that, and that really appealed to, um, to people you know, in, my, in my genre. And B, there's just the raw energy and just power of that band couldn't be couldn't be denied. And yeah. so for to have someone like that on that level be like, hey, call me out of nowhere and be like, hey, it's Zach De La Roca, uh, you know. And I'm like, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. bye. Sure it is. <laughs> the, um, you might be the only person ever to even consider putting the guy who wrote who um, rapped Bomb Track and Killing the Name Off. On the same track as on, on the same track of yours as the same guy who wrote happy uh pharrell williams i mean happy he didn't just write happy <laughs> <laughs> let's not forget like, you know that may be his biggest song ever no big time but i mean like having pharrell williams and zach del rocket it's like two opposite ends of the rap spectrum and I haven't heard it because I've, I've seen I've seen it written Pharrell down. Pharrell was this was the producer behind the clips, you know mm. what I mean? And not when you think about like his history. I mean, this is like you know this this guy produced fucking and you know like fucking Noriega. I'm you know like mm. this is he's hardcore rap for sure. He's ascended to pop royalty, but 
one of the things that I love about these records is that I get the chance to pull people into my world that may not ever have interacted in that same way. Like, um, and actually someone just texted me today making fun of me. They were like, did you get two, did you get two of hip hop's greatest producers on your album only to produce the song yourself? <laughs> I was, that was my next question. It was like, did you, pro- like, did yeah. you produce the song or did Pharrell produce the song? I, I did. <laughs> did, did, did. I was like, I mean, you know, hey, what can I say? Like, this is my, this is just as much my fantasy. You know, it's like, um, I love the fact that I could get people from um, our different sort of walks of this of this shit together because I'm a fan of music in general. So, getting Josh Homme and Mavis Staples together, <laughs> yeah, that was the next question. Like, <laughs> it's, it's to me, a I fucking, get that one. You know? I get that one. Me too, and 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 I get that about a lot of shit. And I think that there are a lot of people who like me and like you because they listen to so much music in general. And because it doesn't mean that, you know, because you listen to one thing and another thing, it doesn't really define you either way. Right. Mm. You just are searching out for stuff that, that, that moves you. And I love the producer in me because I'm a hip hop producer. So you grow up putting and taking different records and jamming them together and seeing how they work together and, and seeing how the sounds that aren't originally, um, you know, created to be working together can create something beautiful. So I've, I've applied that same logic to when we do guests, it's all about what's the coolest thing for the song. What, what, what will make the song good? And, and um, when you hear the, the Pharrell, thing yeah you'll know that it's not happy <laughs> <laughs> see like this is the, like this is the inner nerd of me because when i was like sort of look, looking at stuff um before before our interview i was like oh, what the fuck does mavis staples and and josh homie sound like and then i was like do you know what she's a protest singing badass right and then you've got this like desert gunslinger in josh Homme, who's like probably one of the most forward talk it or like you know he what he says what he fucking means all the time and i was like this is going to be the most honest and open and raw record it's raw i mean and the truth is is that like the way that it came together was crazy i mean i wrote this hook and 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 we tried it like a million different ways you know we tried it with like me singing and mike singing and me and mike singing and us just just rapping it and then and then we had like other singers come in and we were trying to get it done and um and this is after I had already gone and worked on the song with, with Josh. So Josh is essentially, he's a co-producer on the record. I mean, he plays a bunch of guitar on it and he does a bunch of sort of harmonizing of, 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 of vocals. And we had this beautiful sort of sound bed of, of Josh over, over a beat that I had done. And we were desperate to find somebody who we felt, felt could like, you know, match the gravitas of the, of, of the hook and, mm. and, I was losing my mind. Mike kept pushing like, no, it's not right. Get someone else, get someone else. And I was like, <laughs> fuck you, man. This is fucking killing me. And yeah. at the last minute, maybe we, we, someone in our camp, uh, Will, our manager, one of our managers in the camp was like, what about Mavis Staples? Cause Mavis Staples had reached out to Mike a few years prior to this and asked if he would be interested in like maybe writing something for her. And that never happened, but we had the connection and we reached out to Mavis and, I mean, we had reached out to everyone. We had reached out to like Mary J. Everyone from like Mary J. Blige, to, like <laughs> Billie Eilish, you know, like you know, just yeah. people that we thought were interesting. That that, and of course, Mary is an icon, and 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 she. But we reached out to a lot of different people that we were like, okay, this could be a different direction, and 
Does that mean have you got a B track? Have you got like a B side with like Billie Eilish or with no, uh, Mary no. J. Blige on it? <laughs> uh, but no, like none of that, none of that happened. None of that yeah, worked was, out. Yeah, it was just and, like um, ideas. It was ideas, and we were pursuing it, trying to make it happen, and trying to see what it would sound like. And none of it really could happen. And um, and then and then someone was like, "What about Mavis?" And the next day I was on a plane to, to Chicago because as soon as Mavis's name came up, it was like, of course, what? yeah, that, that's who we should have been. That's who we should have called. That was our first call. Every that time. should have been the first call. And when you hear the record, I mean, she's just such a fucking beautiful soul. And, and the record, and, you know, she, you know, I'm glad that Mike pushed me because if, I was a little annoyed. I was like, I fucking wrote this thing, man. Let me say it, you know? And he was just like, trust me, you got to get someone else to sing yeah. this shit. I was like, all right, all right. And and I called Mike. Mike couldn't make it to Chicago. Me and, me and Taco, who's one of our co-producers, um, uh, went down to Chicago for the day to record with Mavis. And, and I called Mike like midway through the session. And I was like, you know how I've hated you for like two weeks now because you have, <laughs> because you've been fucking annoying the shit out of me about this, this, this song. I was like, you were, you were right. Fuck you. Oh, he must've had such a, like, such a, like a, a Sammy when he, when he said that he was just like going, I told you so. No, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was gracious about it, but he yeah. was jealous that he wasn't able to meet Mavis. Yeah. So, you you I, definitely I, would I, be. Where did, um, where did Rick Rubin, uh, come into the equation with, with this record? Rick is someone that I've known for a while and that he was generous enough to offer us his studio at not a, a crazy exorbitant rate. So we were looking for somewhere that we could go together that was out of our zones, you know, and kind of come together in neutral territory. You know, and a lot of times we'll do the records in New York and, and sometimes we'll do stuff in Atlanta. And I think for this one, we just were like, let's just go somewhere where we can all hang out and be together. That's that's that allows us to just get into a zone that isn't any one thing that we're used to mm. and um and rick offered that to us so he he wasn't really involved in the production of the album he was just simply kind of a host for the record he kind of let us take his place over and 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 get comfortable and and he was he's great i mean he's he's the type of guy who you see him like once a week he'll come in in shorts and flip-flops and sit down and just start listening and just talk about stuff with you or whatever and he's a great energy he doesn't know? walk though does he he levitates so i just get this idea that he just like levitates around and just appears there was behind a, you. there was a yeah there's a there was a picture in 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 his uh in the studio of him levitating actually <laughs> I, i'm i'm i completely 100 believe you if you I, mean, I don't know if i'm assuming it was doctored but yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> if anybody listening to this that doesn't know of the of the behemoth that is rick rubin you're going to have an interest in evening on Wikipedia. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I want to talk to you about Glastonbury because like, that's one of the biggest, that's one of my favorite performances I've, I've seen at Glastonbury was, was wow. you, you guys coming out on stage. And uh, that was in 2000. And, oh my God. I can never remember anything. Uh, 2017, I think it was. Um, and you came on, on stage after the leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn. And I could I could have like written a really like you know good question about um, social politics and all the rest of it, and the only thing that would come into my head when I was trying to plan this out, I was like, who would win in a fight between Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn? <laughs> I don't know. Bernie's pretty fucking scrappy. So are they both like you know like they would grab for you like? 
I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who I put my money on on that one. Yeah. We felt that same energy. We weren't really aware as much as you guys are aware of what he was and what he represented, but we did know enough to say, to, to recognize the energy and, and to see what the effect that he was having on people. And it reminded us a lot of Bernie Sanders in, over here. And, you know, we had been relatively intimately connected to Bernie Sanders. Mm. Obviously Mike is, is at literally connected to Bernie Sanders and is, was a surrogate for him. And, you know, Bernie like introduced us for, you know, Coachella one year. And <laughs> so we had both, um, we both were sort of like, we just recognized that it was a powerful moment and you know, just respectfully, we're just, just, you know, they asked us if it was cool, if he came on before us. Who, like who asks you in a situation like that? Is this some Emily Evis, Michael Evis? Like, like what, what happens? I don't know. Uh, we just, we just get, uh, we just get told what the fuck's happening. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we just get communicated through our tour manager or something, you know, and they, and they asked, you know, Hey, is it, you know, they're asking if, 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 uh, if, you know, Corbin can, can come on and before your set, he wanted to come on. They decided that it might be cool before our set. And, and, you know, for the little that we knew about him, we knew enough to sort of be like, man, go for it. Like it's, you know, this guy's obviously a powerful speaker and, and, and he's connected to, um, you know, he's connected to something. Yeah. Don't worry about us. Well, you know, yeah, there was a whole movement around that time uh, with, um, uh, Grime MCs, like like sort of inner city grime MCs, took to Jeremy Corbyn, like like you wouldn't believe. Um, well, the Glastonbury performance was absolutely incredible, and there's so many other things I was thinking about around this album. Is like you're probably one of the most creative marketing bands, like uh, that there there are out there. Like there's so many things that come along with like RTJ, like outside of the music for fans. Like you know you've got the RTJ beer, um. You've got the sort of Meow the Jewels uh, album that came out. Like you never really know what 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 you're gonna go with next. And I think I I had I got like a, a little snippet that you might be getting into the weed game. Yeah, yeah, we're we're launching our first strain actually. Yeah. Um, what do you like? How do you like? What do you do like to to make sure? Apart from like, do you have to like smoke loads of different types of weed to like figure out which one's the right one? to go with and are you in a lab coat when you're doing it? Listen, it's a tough job, but you know, um, we're dedicated to our work and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we, 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 we tested a bunch of, we tested a bunch of strains. Um, um, it's something that we wanted to get into for a long time just because we're fucking, we're, we're, we're enthusiasts. So, you know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense for us, but yeah, it was, it, it's funny. It's been a process. It's been like a couple of year process of us just kind of getting it together and, and different, you know, different strains and stuff being sent our way and us, uh, you know, it's a really good job. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine like if you enjoy weed, then it definitely is like, because it's still like, it's still illegal um, in, in the UK. Like my sort of knowledge on strains and people having their own brands of it, it's like completely next to nothing, really. But I know yeah. that I know like Mike Tyson's got one and Meek Mill's got one. Do people buy it like they would like Pepsi or Dr. Pepper or Fanta? Do they walk into a shop and they go, I'll have two bags of Mike Tyson or I'll have a bag of RTJ? I don't know. I've like literally have no idea yeah. how it works. Yes, they do. So it's like a 7-Eleven. Um, you just go in, not, pick it up. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's it's like there's fucking like there's 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 places that are like the fucking Apple store that like, you know, it's it's like it's not in New York or, or other states that that are that aren't fully recreationally legal or, or really don't have like an established medical, um, you know, retail system um, that are still kind of pushing it through or whatever. But places that are established like Cali and um um, you know, other places on the West Coast, mostly West Coast stuff, but other places uh, have, have made it legal throughout the East Coast as well. There's a real, yeah, absolutely. You walk into the store and you pick and they sell you on it. They're like, oh, what are you, what are you interested in? You know, and they, you know, it's, it's like any other retail experience, except that you have to, you know, show your ID. But like if it took off in such a way, could it like be feasible that people who've never even heard of your band could be smoking your name? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like yeah. like when you were starting out making music, like in your room as a kid, like, like that's not so that's not even a th- a phantom thought that came to your head, right? No, when I was a kid, it was like, how can I get weed? <laughs> it was like, how how is it possible to get weed? I grew up in New York, man. Weed was not easy to get to to acquire, and even when you did, it was shitty. So the advent of like, you know, you know, the advent of, 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 of that is, has been a joy to experience. Of course, there's a dark side to it too, because, you know, you have a country that's legalizing marijuana that has a history of imprisoning um, poor people for selling marijuana. And for um, really long time as well, like this, really disproportionately. Time. And, yeah. and people who are getting disproportionate penalties based on small amounts of marijuana that are still in prison now. And then you have giant corporations and politicians, you know, phasing into, you know, the marijuana industry without dealing with the, the ghosts of our past. Which but if, is that- if you got like banged up um, in a prison for selling like um, weed a couple of years ago and it's been made legal in that state, surely common sense would say that if it's legal, then you can go free. I, I, I mean, like, you know, you could fill a warehouse with what I don't know about American politics. This is America, buddy. We don't we don't deal in common sense, okay? This is this is you know, if we dealt in common sense, we wouldn't have the fucking president that we have. Yeah, I'm I'm still drinking bleach over here. <laughs> Keep at it. It'll work, you know. How's the how's the RTJ movie coming along? Slowly um, but surely, but it's it's coming, right? It's in gestation phase, but it's coming. Yeah. I mean we've got a working we've got a working uh one page, you know, idea. And and that's 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 in the cards for sure. Those doors are opening to us, and it's been sort of it, it's 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 something that we always said after we did this record that we would start focusing on. So I think the next thing that you know we just want to be like you know the new Blues Brothers, but like with weed and guns. You know? <laughs> I mean, like I, I, there needs to be a new Blues Brothers, like there really does. But like right, so I'd imagine like you know I've I've watched your videos. You're both very capable uh, of standing in front of the camera and making yourselves look good. But if you if you weren't right, like who would who would play you? Who would play Mike? I always said that I would get Blair Underwood to play me, you know, like he did Rick Rubin in uh, Crush. I mean, like he did oh, yeah. uh, Russell, Russell uh, Simmons in Crush Groove. Uh-huh. Uh, that might be a bit of a not, that might not work ultimately. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, it's funny because when you're in a group like Run the Jewels, literally every time anyone sees a picture of like, a, a white guy standing next to a tall black guy they send it to us and they just go run the jewels <laughs> it's like i get the feeling we could literally just choose anybody and it would be fine no one would even notice 
So uh, one of the one of the last things I wanted to ask you is like I, I've seen your mu- music pop up in some really cool places like over over the years like um, Deadpool, Deadpool was a real cool one. Um, I'm pretty sure was it, was, it? It, it was or was it oh, Be- Deadpool, Deadpool? Deadpool, yeah. yeah, it was in Deadpool and it was in Venom, um, yeah. and I think uh, yeah Roma, um, and it's it's popped up in in cool places where you're like this this really works. Have you ever seen or heard it? played in somebody somewhere really inappropriate where you're like like why are they fucking playing it as a, a pregnancy test in singapore <laughs> like, <laughs> like what's going on here no no and the answer is because we control our masters um and so we approve where our music goes unless someone is using it without permission so. do you get requests so because i know like a, a charlie xcx an artist over here got like i remember she was telling me she got a request from the the British Army to use it, uh, use her music, and she was like, mm. "Yeah, we we refuse to do stuff based on our principles all the time. Um, uh, you know, I won't I won't um, honor any requests from the NFL. I won't honor any requests from the military. I won't honor any requests from um, soda companies. <laughs> you know, why soda companies? Uh, Just because of the." Listen, I'd rather give my music to a cigarette company because at least they say that you have to be of age to smoke them. You know, I I, I just feel like, you know, hey, why why give your why give why would I lend my credibility to a company that is pumping fucking, you know, bullshit into children? Mm. Yeah, I'd sooner give it to a liquor company. I have no problem doing that because it's it's understood. You know, this is an adult thing. You're making an adult decision here. But, you know, stuff where it feels like manipulation of children or stuff where it feels like it 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 um it it presents what we do in, you know in a in a in a sinister light somehow. Do you in, think in you should be a certain age to be able to drink um soda? No, I don't. But I also just don't have to lend my music to the to the to the ruthless advertising. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I mean, soda is just an example. It's not like one giant pillar that I stand on. Yeah. You know, but it's just something that I've just I personally I'm like, nah, I don't I don't want to do that. Um, but the you know and but there's an M- there's an MC in, in in London who was on this podcast um, at the very beginning called Novelist, and he was to tell me that like um, he like. He's about, he's about 18 or 19 and he was like talking really passionately about how Rubicon and, and fizz, like fizzy drinks um, was way worse for his community growing up than drugs were because it was killing people. Like it was like it was just killing people that were drinking it flat out from diabetes, heart problems. Yeah. yeah you know, absolutely. Like that's straight up. Yeah, no question. And, and so, you know, you, I think that you have to have um, you have to have control over that stuff you have to decide where your line is where you feel good i have no problem licensing um music to movies i love movies <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, i i don't know what to say like i love movies i want to i i've just i just scored a film i just scored a um with uh, a movie called fonzo starring tom harding oh it's called, it's called capone now starring tom harding um that just came out in the states and uh you know so i'm 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 a big movie enthusiasts so yeah our music in a film is awesome to me you so know? um there's there's one uh there's one movie for me to watch obviously like i've got a lot of spare time on my hands like so maybe you could like uh yeah. give us like one movie for all the listeners of this of this podcast and all the run the jewels fans to to watch to ease the boredom a little bit ease the boredom well, I mean, you know, there are a couple staples. When I, whenever I'm feeling a little bit depressed, my new go-to movie that feels good is What We Do in the Shadows. 
that's my that's been the that's been a pretty st- steady staple for me for about five six years solid is, yeah. doing the shadows um if you want to watch a movie that will that will blow your mind um and that and that will maybe even mean something to you in, in the chaos it, i would say watch stanley kubrick's uh dr strangelove oh i love that movie that's like oh. a, I think I did like a semester of um, film studies when I was like uh, at university, and we 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 did that one. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's I'm, you know it's an all time classic. Um, <clears throat> and and you know I would say if you want to binge something, I would always say The Wire. Get you know, The Wire on. Get into it again. <laughs> the Wire, The Sopranos. You know that's that's always that's always Succession's the new one, man. Succession is so fucking good. Um, Succession is amazing. My wife is obsessed with that show. It's it's good. Yeah, it's, good. it's wicked. I, I man. watched like six episodes, so I didn't I didn't really get a chance to see the whole thing. I'm into it. Listen, man. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out to to chat to me. Give my love to um Killer Mike and. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry that he couldn't make it. I think something came up. I think that that was one of the. That's why I was late. Um, but I will absolutely extend that to him. RTJ Four is gonna fucking save my summer. Thank God you're releasing it. Thank God you didn't hold back. I, I, I hope you enjoy it, man. We're really excited about it. And, you know, we we definitely left the album like this is this is we gave it our all. And this is, you know, and that's our only requirement. It's like we don't we don't want to drop anything that we don't feel like we did our best. And 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 I I, I think people are going to be surprised uh, at, at this record. So yeah. Happy days, ma'am. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um stay safe and I look forward to get my teeth gripped into it all right man be well Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records.